Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG on Facebook Live. For Facebook the first. Live. Yeah. Hey Facebook, Facebook what's up? Hi Facebook. Hi Facebook. So uh, yeah, if you don't know what this show is, uh, as the name implies, every week we talk about Magic the Gathering straight from Wizards of the Coast with many of the people who make the game, including a man who needs no introduction. Mark Rosewater. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Mark. Oh, you're welcome. So today we're going to talk about the core set, which the pre-release was this past weekend. It releases officially tomorrow yep. in stores near you. Uh, so we're going to talk about core set 2020. We're going to talk about a lot of the philosophy around core sets um, and a lot of the changes that made this one special. Uh, and then we'll talk about some, some card stories, because even though you didn't work directly on the yes. set... You've created a it, lot of the cards. It's a core set, so I've made some cards. I yeah. just did it a long time ago. Just like one or two, <laughs> though, right? <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk, start talking about the, the role of core sets, because they're a different kind of set yes. rather than going to a different world. So, so talk generally, what place do core sets have in our pantheon of uh, so sets? One of the things that's important is that there are many players at many different levels, mm -hmm. and that... We like having some entry-level point. We like having something that, you know, not knowing anything to knowing something is, is a, big, a big step up. And mm -hmm. our normal sets are even a little more than that. And so we like having some, some steps to get you up to sort of normal magic. Mm -hmm. And that the course that's always been a really good entry-level point. It's always mm -hmm. been something where, hey, are you new to magic? Well, here's this, it's something that's not quite as complicated as normal sort of uh, most standard legal products. Mm -hmm. And we took it away for a little while. It went away. We're like, oh, we don't need it. And we really missed it. What we found was it really was that there is a need for that kind of thing. And there are people, the thing that I think people miss who are very much in the community who play Magic all the time is you think, like, everybody just plays Magic all the time. And mm -hmm. while there are people that do that, there are a lot of people that play infrequently, that play every once in a while, and that... The core set was something that any time of the year, like we, we leave it out all year long. Like the reason we name it a year ahead is so that it can be out for a whole year. Yeah. And that the idea is we put it out and that it's this product that people who need it, people that want it, have access to it. Mm -hmm. And like once we took it away, we realized how much people were using it, how much they needed it. And so we brought it back. We're like, it's an important part of the magic ecosystem. Yeah. And one of the, uh, you kind of touched on it in there a little bit, one of the things people need are those simple effects that are yeah. nonetheless super useful, like disenchant, for yes. example, which came back for the first time in a while. It did, it did. Yeah, so uh, talk a little bit about disenchant specifically, because a lot of old school players are, are we're pleased to see that back, but Green's been doing that for so long that it was right. a little Right, so surprising. here's the story of Disenchant. So uh, you know, Richard Garfield made Disenchant in mm -hmm. original Alpha. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think of when this happened. About, so 93 would be the Alpha. So we're talking about 96, 7, 98, sometime around there. I, I the, the color pie person, came forward and said, you know, it's weird that white is number one in destroying artifacts and enchantments. Really, the color that's most against artifice you know, is green. You know, green is the color that, really, like, from a color pie perspective, the, co the color that really should be having destroy this or that, you know, artifacts or enchantments, should be green. Mm -hmm. And so I designed Naturalize. I said, really, this is where it should be. And we had a lot of meetings, and we had a lot of discussions. And this is a period of time where a whole bunch of things changed in the color pie, where, like, you know, instead of blue stealing things temporarily, red now steals things temporarily. Mm -hmm. We moved around. And so I introduced Naturalize, and... For a long time, that was the, the staple of, yeah. you know, do you want to destroy enchantments and artifacts? Go to Naturalize. But what started happening was we started realizing that we could do a little bit better than Naturalize. And Naturalize, you know, the power level that we made way, way back when, flash forward 20 years, 
you know, it actually can be a little bit better. So you'll mm -hmm. notice, I think War of the Spark, for example. War of the Spark had, um, yeah, Return to Nature. Return to so Nature, which is, card, yeah. it's not just naturalized, but it's a third option. It's like, yeah. choose this, this, or that, right? So you can destroy target artifact, target enchantment, or you can exile card in the graveyard. So mm -hmm. you can have an additional need for it. So once we realized that we could push a little bit, do better than naturalize, that opened up the door. Because white is second in it. White's mm -hmm. number two. That we realized that natural, uh, sorry, that uh, disenchant could come back. Mm -hmm. Because as green gets a little bit better at it, white being second, we could use disenchant. That's how disenchant came back. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are also other effects in green, obviously, that do this. Some of them are even stapled onto creatures, yes. such as, for example, Thrashing Brontodon. Yeah, Thrashing Brontodon is an interesting one to me because mm -hmm. it's, it's currently already in standard. So what's the point of bringing it back in a core set here? Well, so here's another important thing about core sets is magic sets are very themed. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so we can't just bring things back necessarily because if, if we're... You know, in some place, we're on Ravnica or whatever, you know, we can't necessarily always do whatever we need to do because we're trying to match the world we're in. Yeah. And that when the corset went away, we were like, oh, we need card X to be in the environment. And, uh-oh, it didn't make sense in this set, and it didn't make sense in that set, and, didn't, and we, we had trouble getting them in. There are no dinosaurs on Ravnica. Right. That so, we know of. That we know. That we know. Um, I think are there, there dinosaurs there around might be, I, don't I, think, I, I believe there I are dinosaurs around. Someone's gonna. Someone in chat. Uh, there, is there, I, believe there I think there is a dinosaur in Africa. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the things the course that lets us do is handpick things we need. Like we, because it can be on any plane. You know, we can pick what we need. And yeah. in this case, if we want to extend something, if something's better to rotate out by putting in the course that we just extend how long it, it's in the environment. Sure. So if we like what it's doing for the environment, that allows us to add it in. Mm -hmm. And so the course that is a really, really important tool for play design because it really allows us to have a lot more freedom what we need to put in and not put in. Mm -hmm. And another thing the core set does is it helps us ramp up for things to come. Yeah. So while I can't say what exactly, if you look at, at the core 2020, there's some hints maybe of places we're yeah. going because there's definitely some stuff leading up to things and things that will help Help us for things down the road. That's my favorite game every year when the core set comes around. Is <laughs> like, like is every, this a plant? What is this they're, supposed they're to be? They're trying to like, people are like trying to beautiful mind it, right? Yeah, From, like, oh, yeah. this is here and yeah. this is here. So that must mean this that we're thing. going back to Arabian Nights. No, we're not. No, and we're and not, the thing that's fun is because people guess. Yeah. And some of the guesses are dead on. They're 100% yep. correct. Yep. And some of them are like, you are not remotely close to what we're doing. <laughs> so, um, so it's fun to see because, I mean, we, one of the things about the core set is you want to ramp up to what you're doing. You want to have connective themes. Yeah. So what we call a block monster is when everything you need is all within one year mm -hmm. and that you have problems. And you want to stretch themes over years so that rotations can change things. And mm -hmm. so we like using the core set both... Well, it does two things. One is it sets up the future, and it's it's the last set in a cycle, right? The, uh, in a year right. thing, it's the fourth set in a year, meaning we can be more adventuresome in what we do in it because it's going to what is it's uh, comboing with is going to rotate out. Mm -hmm. So what we tend to do in the core set is look back to the thing that's about to rotate out and make cards that are very synergistic with that, so we can push a little bit, mm -hmm. and then it's going to rotate out. So like it, if we really mess up, it's only three months. Yeah, and so it allows us to be a little bit more aggressive. So the core set just from a play design standpoint, it gives us a lot of tools to really hand, handcraft the environment. Yeah, and so we've, we've seen some dinosaurs, we've seen some pirates coming yes. about um, <laughs> that were all in Ixalan, and a lot of those rotate, but right yeah. now those decks are, are super fun and yes. strong. Yeah. Uh, the other thing the core set does is it, it allows us to revisit older cards. So one of my favorite cards in the set is Lotus Field, yeah. which is a reworked version of 
Lotus Veil. Now, we couldn't do this when the core sets were all reprints. Yes. So what, uh, So where does this sit? Okay, so the history, of the little core mm. set history. Yeah. So originally the core I mean, other than Alpha, which obviously had all in the cards, uh, all the core sets for a long time were 100% reprints. Right. Then Aaron Forsyth came up with an idea. He made Magic 2010, and the idea was, well, what if the course that just had some new content in it? Not that it couldn't have reprints. We want reprints, but hey, let's open the door. Why can't the course that have new content? And that yeah. the freedom to make new content, to actually customize what we needed, proved to be very, very valuable. Because one of our problems in the past had been, oh, we need a very simple effect, but no set it quite made sense for. Mm -hmm. So we're missing. We just have a gap of things we need. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we could like, oh. I, I need a very specific vanilla, or I need a very specific you know, ETV effect. Oh, we can just make it. We can just make mm -hmm. the thing we need. And so the core set started with Magic 2010, started having new content in it. And mm -hmm. ever since then, like once you get new content, A, the audience really likes the new content, and B, we realize the value, how much value the, as a tool having new content allows you to craft the set. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a staple now of, of core sets. So is there, uh, does it ever happen where... Uh, you're working on a set that's not a core set, and there's a cool car, but it doesn't quite fit in, and it's kind of generic. Does it get moved to the core set? Does it get picked up? Does that ever happen? So what happens is whenever we get things that are knocked out of sets, and that mm -hmm. happens all the time, and it, it's not that it's bad, it's just, oh, for what this set needs, and you know, yeah. we're doing the curving the set, whatever, things will get knocked out. Mm -hmm. And when things get knocked out, they sort of go into this general slush area. Yep. Um, and that the nice thing about the core set is the core set can pick all of the card up. Mm -hmm. like we put it in another world, well, it can't pick the art up, for example. It can only pick up maybe the, the mechanics. But a lot of times uh, in the core set, because it's agnostic, yep. it could be on any plane, be anywhere, it can pick anything up. And so there's been, there have been some cards that were somewhere, got knocked out, and then get picked up in the core set. Sure. Um, and there's others where we'll pick it up in another set. Like one of the rules is, that if you see something that think, you think will make your set good, you can pluck it from other sets if really it, your set needs it. Yeah. Usually, but we prioritize the earliest set. Like, whatever comes, is the earliest to coming out has priority. Mm -hmm. um, but things will move around. There's a lot of stuff where you see something, you know. Like, one of the classics is um, a Togatog, -tog, which mm -hmm. was an Odyssey. Like, I made it for Unglue 2. Yeah. And then Unglue 2 got canceled. Yeah. And then we were working on Odyssey, and we made, we made a, a cycle of Atogs, and I'm like... Hey, hey, Randy, Randy Bueller was my, <laughs> yeah. uh, was leading the set. I go, Randy, I got, how would you like an Atogatog? Art's free! We got the art. We already had the art. <laughs> we commissioned it. And then, yeah, so like, whenever we can, we find stuff, you know, we, we like to always use things where we can. Sure. Um, but because worlds are so specific, though, it is hard sometimes when the art is already committed, but that's why the, the course set's awesome, because it can be anything and be anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to pick up on something you said in there in case uh, fans didn't know what I mean. What does it mean to curve out a set? Ooh, oh, yeah. what it means is um, when you're making a set, you want to make sure that there's a a curve on the mana. Mm -hmm. So you like you want to make like we could make a set and like everything costs three. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that's not a really good set. You want some things to cost one and some two and some three and some four. And so especially with the creatures, because uh, it's very very important for limited, you yeah. want to make sure that there's a a general curve of what's going on, so that you want things at every mana cost. Sure. Um, you do that with spells as well, but the spells you have a little bit more flexibility. Mm -hmm. The creatures are very consistently you need to play the creatures. Mm -hmm. So whenever we make a set on any set, not just core sets, but yeah. any set, we always have to curve it out. Okay. And so sometimes when we're doing that. Things get knocked out, not because we don't like them, but, oh, we have too many five drops. Well, yeah. got to get rid of this five drop because there's too many five drops, yeah. stuff like that. Yep. All right. 
Um, so let's talk about some of the specifics of course at 2020. Because there's a lot. There's a lot that came back and a lot of things that people have asked about. Yeah, actually. absolutely. Okay, um, one of the big ones that surprised me when I first looked through the yeah. set was the return of protection, because we had been yes. we had been tinkering with like hex <laughs> yeah. proof from and yeah. and we had gone away from straight protection from a while. So what's the story there? So the story is um, play design is the one that came to us mm -hmm. and. One of the things in general that they are looking for is having nice, clean, simple answers that they can use as tools to adjust the format. Mm -hmm. And it came up basically that they were missing protection. Yeah. The protection, like when, when a certain card is causing problems, it allows to make a very nice, clean answer that will help some of the time but not all the time. Mm -hmm. And that if the uh, metagame shifts in a certain direction, stuff like protection is really good answers that help balance things. Uh, and so they came to uh, one of the meetings and said, we'd like to bring protection back. And so the core set seemed like the right place to do that. Now, we actually experimented with changing protection. Um, one of the problems with protection, the reason it went away in the first place is, it's actually four mechanics kind of stapled together. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're related, but they're doing four different things. Yeah. And so we experimented, well, what if we took two of them away? What if it just did these two, but not those two? And we tried a bunch of different things. Um, but in the end, we decided that the word protection is very, very strong. You know, it, it, it's very flavorful. Um, it seemed to do a really good job of what play design. And so we decided to bring it back. Mm -hmm. And there's some cost with that. It is a complicated mechanic. We're trying to use it judiciously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we brought it back mostly because play design really, really needed it as a tool. Why did it go away in the first place? Because it's complicated. Because <laughs> it's four mechanics in one. Yeah, because yeah. it's four mechanics stapled together. Yeah. There's, a, oh, there's an acronym for it. What is it? Because it's... Um, uh, it's... Debt. Debt, D-E-B-T-T, yeah. Yeah. yeah, damage, enchanting, uh, flash equipping, block, flash equipping, <laughs> can't be blocked, blocking, and targeted, and targeted, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. No, 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 that's the same, yeah, that, like I said, it's, there's a lot of concern when we brought it back that it is a complicated thing. You'll notice we didn't put a lot of it in the set, and it was really used more as a sideboard thing, mm -hmm. meaning things that, like, you might sideboard it in the right situation, um, trying to use it as, as a... You know, a scalpel to help fix fix things. Yeah. So. It's, not, it's not like it's on a card like, say, a Mirren Crusader, where if your opponent is playing black-green, they just can't do anything. Right, and yes, they yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so along those same lines, uh, we also brought back strong anti-enemy color cards. Yeah. So not only have we not had... Uh, what we're, what are referred to by a lot of fans mm -hmm. as color hosers in a while, uh, but the the enemy colors weren't really played up as fighting for yeah. a while. Right. Yeah. So so when, when Alpha first came out, yep. like one of the things that's very interesting about the color pie is the dynamic of some things are allies and some things are enemies. Yeah. But what we found over the years is, from a gameplay standpoint. Like, for example, if you go back in early Magic, there were just more allied cards than enemy cards, and mm -hmm. allied cards worked better, and enemy cards worked worse. Yeah. And it just... What we realized is Magic was better if there's just more ways to play Magic. You're just mm -hmm. having access to ten two-color archetypes rather than five that were viable for Constructed just made better Magic. Yeah. And so over the years, we've definitely sort of moved away from really playing up the ally and enemyness of things. Um, but it's an important part of the flavor of the game. And so core sets are the place where we can, from time to time, do things like just remind people that these colors don't like each other. These mm -hmm. are the enemies of each other. You know, and that while it is not something we play up in the game so much, as far as the IP goes, as far as sort of the essence of the color pie, it's very, very important. And so mm -hmm. I like having opportunities where we can play that up. And the, the core sets have been a really good place to do the, the color hosers. Yeah. And it's a card like, uh, we, have some, we have some examples of that that mm -hmm. we can throw up on the screen, like Ether Gust, uh, which is a blue card that 
Catherine's? Does something to cows? Or Does goat? something to what cows. Is, is that a ox. goat? It's an ox. ox. Okay. I think. I think it's an ox. Oxes are white, Steve. <laughs> well, they, they, can, they can be both. <laughs> Beast. Uh, it's a beast. That's what it is. And then, it's Babe, the big blue this, ox. This, is, fry. Yeah, this is some of the best what, art in the yeah, set. Yeah, I was about to say, my, my vote for best art in the set. Uh, <laughs> it's a fried chicken. I I'm love afraid, it. And the, the flavor text is on point, too. I'm right, the, the idea of these spells is that they're reactionary, meaning that if something causes a problem or if the metagame shifts in certain directions, mm -hmm. these cards are going to come in, but they don't in a vacuum, you know what I'm saying, that, that there are more answers than they are... Like, you don't tend to run these staple. Right. Unless the metagame really pushes in a direction. And so they serve as a really good answer to sort of help adjust things without sort of pushing decks in certain directions. Yep. So, I mean, that's why it came back. Prediction came back because it's just a very useful tool. So. Great. Um, and I want to let fans know we do have a moderator in chat who will be feeding us questions. Yes. So if you have questions for Mark, please ask them in the chat. Ask or away. For Blake. Ask, or for me, I guess. <laughs> questions for Blake. I Sometimes I know things. People, people um, but yeah, definitely throw your questions on. We'll get to them at yep. the end, or if, or if they're pertinent to what we're talking about, we'll get to them then. Uh, but let's talk next about... Uh, so we've touched a little bit on the core set's ability mm -hmm. to do reprints of kind of staple effects when yeah. we talked about Disenchant. Uh, but what about reprints that are of the stronger variety that are played in older formats like, for example, Steel Overseer, which is a modern staple? So one of the things that we try to do, and we try to do this in all our sets, mm -hmm. but... Um, is, look, there's lots of ways to play Magic. You know, Standard and, uh, you know, Draft, for example, are probably two of the most popular ways to play in stores. You know, Commander's very popular, obviously. Mm -hmm. Modern's very popular. There's Vintage Players. There's, I mean, there's endless formats. And we like as much as we can to make sure that our sets aren't just for people playing one or two formats, but all the formats. Yeah. And so we like to get things in that some of the larger formats, larger in card pool, some of the older formats, that, that have larger card pool, that things that maybe they can take advantage of. You know, like, we're very conscious that when we make a magic set, we want everybody who plays magic to find something that they can, they can enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we very consciously think about that. And the core set is a little bit easier because we can handpick reprints, because we can be a little more judicious in what we're putting in, allows us to make some of the older format cards. It's a little easier to put them in. Mm -hmm. And so the core sets tend to do that a little more than the average set. Mm -hmm. um, although it is something we try to do in every set. The core set definitely is a place more so where we can get in something that, like, we can throw modern or bone or something. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of modern, another one in the set was Leyline of the Void. Yeah. A lot of players um, I know were very excited to see this in a core set. Yeah, and this this one was interesting to me, and I'm not sure how much of a hand you had mm -hmm. in this, but uh, there's a cycle of these. Mm -hmm. Three of them are reprints. Two of them are new. Yeah. Um, Do you have any insight into that? Well, so here's the thing is, there's a very narrow band of, it's the beginning of the game, mm -hmm. nothing is there, I'm going to do something, and I'm doing it for free for my opening hand. Yeah. Like, what I can let you do that is interesting without causing problems, is, is hard. And that, for example, with black, we just stumbled upon the perfect answer early, and yeah, we could try to find something else just to find something else, but yeah. it does such a good job that, you know what I'm saying, like, so, yeah. so what we did basically is like, what ley lines work, what ley lines do the job we want them to do, and the ones that we have trouble, we can make something new. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was, well, the ones that really are what we need, let's just reprint them. Like, our philosophy in general is, look, we don't reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's hard making magic. If something will do, if something, if you need to do something, and we've already made the card that does that thing, there's nothing wrong with using that card. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with bringing back a card. There's nothing wrong with bringing back a mechanic. Like if things make sense, use them, bring them back. Mm -hmm. And so with the ley lines, like the black ley line, just does such a good job. Yeah. And so 
Yes, we, we've brought it back multiple <laughs> times now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure one day we'll do ley lines where we have an opportunity to do something different with black based on the environment it's in. Mm -hmm. I'm sure one day we'll do another black ley line. It, j it just isn't just today. Not today. <laughs> not just today. not today. <laughs> Um, I am seeing your questions come through. Keep them coming. Just so you know, look, if you look down at the bottom, uh, down this way, this way, it has, it has the order. We're doing things. And at the end, there is a Q&A. So keep the questions coming. We're getting a bunch of good ones. And so we will, we will get to those at the end of the thank show. Thank you for your questions, yeah, by the way. Yes. We appreciate it. We, we like your questions. Um, back to strong reprints. Uh, goblin Ringleader is an interesting one to okay. me, too, uh, because there is a light goblin theme in standard right now, but... There were also some strong goblins just printed in Modern Horizons as well. So, how what, do you have any insight into the decision to break that up? Do some here, some there, kind of thing. I mean, one of the things that so the difference between Modern Horizons and a normal set is a lot of cards can't go through standard. Mm -hmm. Like one of the problems of getting cards for Modern and Modern Horizons was trying to address this is. Like, before Modern Horizons, if you wanted to get into Modern, you had to go through Standard, but some of the reprints are too good for Standard, or re would cause problems in Standard. So basically what we said is, things, reprints that we wanted to get in Modern that we thought would be Standard problematic, mm -hmm. we'd put in Modern Horizons, because that way they bypass Standard. But things that we felt could go through Standard, let's, let's put them in uh, normal sets, let's mm -hmm. put them in core sets and such. So... Really, what, what, what they divided was what goblin cards, for example, do we think will be okay in standard, and which ones ah might be a problem, and, that, and that's how we divvied them up. Yeah. So we, Modern Horizons basically said, here's everything we want to do, and then we plucked the stuff that we could use in standard, mm -hmm. and then they put the rest up in Modern Horizons. Yeah, and for more insight on this, uh, Melissa DeTora, who's mm -hmm. on the play design team, actually wrote uh, M-Files articles yes. uh, for this week and next week. Uh, I believe next week's is the one where she talks specifically about Goblin Ringleader, but she talks at, yeah. at several places about splitting them up that way. Um, but then there were also, uh, you know, so we, we think of core sets as being for standard and draft, and, mm -hmm. and as you said, you know, we reprint some stuff for modern. But there were also some uh, some new cards that were kind of, that seem to be created with older formats in mind. So, for example, Brought Back has gotten a lot of attention as a, as a modern card. So where do those fit into the ecosystem of M20? Um, I mean, one of the things that we're always thinking about when we make any magic set is we're, we're conscious of the fact that there's just many different audiences. Yeah. And, like, one of the interesting things about some of the older formats is, and this is where we can make standard cards, is older formats care about certain things that standard might not care about. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that something like brought back just, there, there's the nature of, of things that allow you to sort of we can, standards, it's not as abusable in standard as in older yeah. formats. And so we're always on the lookout for things that, oh, it, it's not going to cause a problem in standard, but, hey, we know people would like this in, in the older format. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, you know, Magic is not one game. I say this all the time. It's really yeah. many, many games. And that, look, every set we put out, we want as many Magic players to want it as possible. And so we're just very conscious of looking at different places to put things. Mm -hmm. I'm like Commander is another good example where... You know, this set has three-color, you know, um, legendary creatures. Yeah. And that wasn't an accident or anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, we were very conscious of, um, we want to make sure that where we can, we can do things for different formats. And, look, a lot of commander players out there, a lot of people that really are saying, hey, we'd like to see more, you know, multicolor legendary creatures, especially three-plus colors. And yeah. so we were able to do stuff like that. So that actually brings up a question. Uh Brad had okay. in chat. Uh, Brad asked, so first he said, I love the three color legends in okay. 20 so good job <laughs> on them. Um, are those cards considered new player friendly, which is one of the goals mm -hmm. of core sets, or is there a cutoff for rarities that have to be new player friendly in the core set? Well, one of the things in general is um, when you, 
when you open up a booster pack, mm -hmm. you're going to get 10 commons, you're going to get three uncommons, you're going to get seven out of eight times a, a rare, and then one out of eight times a mythic rare, mm -hmm. on, on average. Um, and so... And a land. And a, and a land. And a, land. <laughs> and, and a token card. Yeah, a token or a token, token slash ad card. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, we care the most about common, because common, like, when you open a path, that's the biggest thing. We talk about New World Order, and, like, we are very, very vigilant about what we can do at common, and in mm. a core set, even more so than we are in a normal standard legal set. Uh, and then uncommon, we, we, we release late range a little bit, but still, you know, the uncommons in a core set are a little simpler than the uncommons might be in a normal, you know, a, a normal standard legal set. Um, rares is where we're, we're the most forgiving. Mm -hmm. Like, one of the things we've learned is... If you make something really exciting and a little bit complicated, but it's really exciting, players are much more willing to spend the time to learn. Yeah. Like, if I make a simple card and it's confusing, like, if I make a very basic effect and it's confusing, there's not value to learn it. It's hard. Right. But if I make this very exciting thing, you know what I'm saying, it's, it's this exciting creature, I, players are more willing to spend a little time on, on trying to understand that. Mm -hmm. And so what we've learned at Rare is... We'll make things a little more complicated, provided we make them splashy enough that the people feel invested to want to learn. Right. Because one of the big lessons we've learned over the years is it's it's not it's not like beginners are afraid of of complexity per se. Is they we don't want them to get overwhelmed. Yeah. But if they get invested in something, if they're excited by something, that's when they want to learn. Mm -hmm. And so the stuff like the three color legends, we clearly made them to make them commander friendly. And not that they're not new player friendly, but they they didn't need to be. You know, they don't need to be the most basic because yeah. they're the kind of thing that if people get excited, they'll, they'll learn how to use. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so let's... There's also one one change that you, you've talked a little bit about mm -hmm. uh, in your blog, uh, Blog Talk, if you haven't yeah. been there, uh, which is <laughs> which is the uh, the rise of colored artifacts and using colored artifacts yes. more often. So talk a little bit about that change. Okay, so uh, the very first set to ever have um, artifacts as a major theme was Antiquities. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, as far as like a block, we had the Mirrodin block. Yep. Uh, Urza Saga also had a, a very, even though it wasn't technically about artifacts, had a very big artifact component yep. that ended up being very strong. Um, we, did, we then, in uh, Shards of Alara, mm -hmm. we had a, a, one of the factions was very artifact-based, um, yep. the Esper. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then we did Scars of Mirrodin, which was an artifact set, and then we did um, uh, Kaladesh. Yeah. Antiquities had problems. Yep. Urza Saga had problems. Mm -hmm. Mirrodin had problems. <laughs> Scars of Mirrodin had problems. <laughs> Kaladesh had problems. Yep. Wait, wait. One set didn't have problems. What was the one artifact set that we didn't have problems, and that was Esper? Shards. Yep. Shards of right, Alara. Shards of Alara. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then why? Oh, because we used the color pie. So, like, one of the things about artifacts is when you we use, make things generic and say anybody can use this, when you make things that are broken, it causes a lot of problems. Like, mm -hmm. if we make a broken red card, well, at least only red decks can play the card, you know what I'm saying? But you make a broken artifact that's generic, well, anybody can play it. And mm -hmm. so one of the things we've learned is it's very hard to push things when you have generic mana on them. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ideas that we're embracing is the idea of from a flavor standpoint, look, we can imbue color in things. It's not as if color artifacts don't exist. Like I said, Esper had colored artifacts. The Gear Hulks in Kaladesh were colored. Mm -hmm. the, the equipment in Theros. Like, we've made colored, you know, yeah. uh, New Frexy had some colored artifacts. Like, it's not something we haven't done. We've been doing it for actually over 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, we're just upping the amount of it. We're saying, okay. you know what? If we make them colored, we can push them. We, mm -hmm. You know, if we make them generic, we really have to tone them down. But you know what? If I have, like, a, a blood-soaked altar, kind of black. 
Yeah. And if we just make it black, then we can make you know uh, a more powerful card or right. Chandra's re you know respirator, respirator, regulator, regulator. 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 Yep. Like I mean, it's Chandra. It's like okay, it's tied to Chandra. It could be red. Yeah. You know, and that by making it red, we can just make it more powerful. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, hey, we want the Chandra deck. You know, if there's assuming there's a Chandra deck to yeah. be able to play that, right? And that we don't need everybody playing it. And mm -hmm. so. Colored artifacts really is the progression of something we need to do for the safety of the game. Mm -hmm. And I think flavor-wise that we can make... I mean, I know flavor-wise we can make it work. Yeah. Now, the big question people ask whenever I say this is, but what about enchantments? And the answer is, artifacts and enchantments are just not that far apart. They've never been mechanically that far apart. Yeah. Um, and we understand that making these colored is going to make them a little closer mechanically. They're just not that far apart. They, they were never that far apart. Mm -hmm. And... Flavor is going to two things are going to carry the day. One is flavor; yep. the flavor very differently. And the second is what interacts with them is different. Yep. You know the fact that certain colors can kill that, but not this, or can interact with that, but not this. That makes them different. And then mm -hmm. that the interaction and and what can destroy them and stuff is just are going to make enchantments and artifacts function differently. Yeah. You know if I if I have a red deck and you have an artifact, hey, I can deal with it. Mm -hmm. You have an enchantment, eh, I have more problems with it. And so that is important. Yeah, but we we do feel that. We can make them different, especially from a flavor standpoint. Um, but it is something like moving forward, artifact, colored artifacts are just the way life is going to be. Not that there'll never be generic artifacts. Yeah. We, we still have some. And Jeffrey Suffer Limited for sure can be colorless. Stuff for Constructed, it has to be very niche for us to make it generic mana. Sure. Meaning it has to be the kind of thing that just can't go in every deck. Yeah. That stuff can still be generic. Mystic Forge is a card yeah. in, yes. uh, yeah. in 20 that's, yeah. that's like that because so, it's got a very specific activation. Right. Yeah. I mean, be aware, by the way, we still will make generic stuff. I'm just saying that stuff we push for tournaments on, you know, is more likely to be colored. The stuff mm -hmm. that's the generic that we push will be more specific. That makes sense to yeah. me. All right, so next we're going to talk about some individual card stories. Now, okay. you you were not on this design team. I was not on this design team. But, yes. because you, you've been making <laughs> magic cards for so long, yes. uh, a lot of the reprints are cards that you that, that we think of as staples now. Yes. That yeah. we're just like, oh yeah, that card. Yeah. Um, you designed originally, yes. and they didn't just come out of... Oh yeah, of course. Yes. Um, so my favorite one is is shock. Yeah. You you create oh, yeah, shock. shock. So shock. So here's the story. Of shock is Richard Goffin makes lightning bolt. Yep. Uh, and it became very clear the lightning bolt just a little bit too good. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, it's not crazy far off, but it's just enough off that it warps the environments. Yeah. And so I knew we needed to make a fixed lightning bolt. So mm -hmm. I pitched shock. In fact, I I named it too. Like when I the, the the very first version I made was exactly the card. It was called Shock, mm -hmm. and it you know did deal two two damage. I guess not just any target, but um, <laughs> but anyway, I I pitched this and I said, guys, we need we need a new card. Like we're not we can't keep doing Lightning Bolt, mm -hmm. and so I pitched it. And like yeah, you're right, and so we they, we put it in and it, it became a staple. Mm -hmm. and so. Um, it's been around for a long time. Yes, well, so have I. <laughs> <laughs> a really, really long, long time, yeah. Mark. Um, another one that you originally designed was Raise the Alarm, which I think went a little under the radar that it was back in M20. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, I think originally what we were just trying to do was we liked the idea of white being about little creatures. Mm -hmm. uh, and this really just came about of how can I get two creatures with one card? That, that's where it started. Yeah. And like... One of the things I liked about white is the idea that it could do it could beat card advantage on creatures, mm -hmm. and so this just came about of saying, well, how would I get two creatures with one card, and what if it just makes two tokens? And mm -hmm. so that, that's where that came about. Yeah, um, and we've seen a lot of variants of this over the years. Most of them have been sorceries. So the yeah. interesting one thing about this one is that it's an instant. Um, 
Is that just kind of a product of when it was designed I think, back in the day? Well, I mean, I also think we thought it would be a good defensive thing for white. Sure. So, like, not only could it make creatures, but, oh, it could surprise them and it could block things. Yeah. So, I think the reason we made it instant originally was we were thinking as, like, a defensive card. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's funny because one of the things that's always interesting looking back at magic history is things aren't things till you make them. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that you might think of, oh, why didn't we make it before then? It's just... No one thought to do it, and someone just does it. Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of cards like that where it's just like, for some reason, for n number of years, we didn't make it, and then like, how about this? And then we make it for the first time. And mm -hmm. then once we make it, you, the reason you know you made something successful is when then every set after that copies it. Yeah. So like every set now is, what's our Raise the Alarm variant? Yeah. So, you know. Uh, one card we haven't done in a while is Rule of Law, yeah. which you also designed. Yes. So I think the first version of it, what was the blue? There's a blue version, right? Arcane Lab. Arcane Lab. So I made yeah. Arcane Arcane Lab, is that right? No, that seems arcane wrong. Arcane Knowledge? That. Arcane something. Yeah. So anyway, I made the blue version first. Sure. Uh, and back in, I think, Urza Saga block. Yeah. Um, and I liked the card a lot. And then we realized, we're like, oh, this is in the wrong color. Like, white's the rule-setting color. I'm like, yeah. oh, I put it in the wrong color. So I remade <laughs> it I remade it as a white card saying, oh, well, this this should be white. Yeah. Um, that, you know, like the the... White is the king of um, making enchantments that say, these are the rules. And yeah. so, like... It, 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 you it, can't it, draw more than one card a turn. Right. Yeah. yeah. Only one creature can attack. I think I made it blue originally because we think of blue being very, like, aware of spell casting. Yeah. You know, that was the idea. But once I realized, like, oh, I made it in the wrong color, we, we just shifted it to white. So Makes that's where the wall came the, from. The flavor text, I, I always love the flavor text on this card. I was right. Arcane oh, Arbitrary. Arbitrary. Yeah. Ha! Okay. I knew my take, saga. Take that people that weren't accusing you of anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, from the same block, uh, originally, Duress yeah. is, is back in this set as oh, well. Oh, yes. Uh, one of the things that's funny that we were trying to play around with is one of the early problems we had with um, a lot of the discard spells is they would hit land. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, something like uh, Him to Torok. Torok. Yep. Yeah. That one of the biggest problems with Him to Torok was you would just, like, if you hit the land, then... The game's up. Wah, wah, wah. The game's over, yeah. you know? And so we were... we were. This was a, the early technology of us going, okay, how can we do what we want? Like, we liked the idea that discard was a way for black to handle things it couldn't normal ha normally handle. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of this idea was, okay, well, what if... Okay, we want this to be something that deals with... We don't want to destroy creatures because black can destroy creatures in play. Mm -hmm. That's not a problem for black. And we don't want to get land because we, we don't want to cause yeah. the problem with land. And so this was like a, a fine-crafted card to kind of go after what we wanted. Mm -hmm. And the thing that people have to understand is we just make lots and lots of cards and then, like, some of them just hit and, like, oh, that's the perfect... You know, that's just the perfect yeah. execution of it. And so... Back in the day, we made lots and lots of versions of different stuff, and that just was the one that ended up being the right one. So. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, let's stick in black. Uh, you had a really cool story about Gravedigger. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. so um, in Tempest, we had this mechanic mm -hmm. uh, that was called Draw Triggers. Yeah. And the idea was it would have a different color back, and then when you drew the card, it did something. Yeah. And so you'd reveal to the opponent, um, like, Miracles played the space many, many yeah. years later. Um, but the idea was it just did something when you drew it, and this is before the era of sleeves. So that idea is the back <laughs> would be a different color, and everyone goes, oh, that's a different... What, what does that card do? And you would show what it does. So I made a 2-2 creature that raised dead, that uh, got a creature back from your graveyard mm -hmm. when you drew it. Yeah. Uh, but then we realized the mechanic didn't work for a bunch of reasons. No one wanted to change the back and this and that. Um, and I was trying to figure out how to, how to do that card. And so I said, oh, well, what if it just did that when it entered the battlefield? 
-hmm. And at the time, by the way, so the way when Tempest was being worked on, um, like we hadn't got to Visions development yet because we work ahead on the large sets. Yeah. And so I hadn't seen Visions yet. So I hadn't seen an Enter the Battlefield effect. That's, that's where they first showed up in Magic. Yeah. So um, I'm very proud that Gravedigger is me independently coming up with Enter the Battlefield effects. Mm -hmm. Like I said, um, Visions is where they showed up first. So yeah. they, they didn't actually show up first in, in, in Tempest. But it was me designing something that I hadn't seen before. So, um, you know, I was very proud of Gravedigger. Well, yeah, and it yeah. It, because Gravedigger was published, was printed after Visions, it yeah. looked like it was just, oh, no, this is just another right. continuation yes. of, of that. Comes into play effects on, uh, or comes into battlefield effects on creatures are very common these days. But yeah, yeah it was actually really innovative they, back they in at, Visions. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, right, Visions is the first set to even do it. Yeah. So Magic went by for multiple years before any cards did that. Mm -hmm. And then even then, like, Visions, I think, had four cards that had an entered battlefield effect. Like, it slowly yeah. became part of Magic and eventually realized how valuable they were. Mm -hmm. um, and just putting effects with bodies made you play the effect. Yep. Like, one of the problems we found was. There are some effects that like, you're never going to play. Like yeah. you're never going to play that as a card. But if you staple it to a body, it's like, well, if it comes with a two-two, yeah, maybe I'd play it. And yeah. so it just makes it much more dynamic. Yeah. And it also makes what we call virtual vanillas, which is it's a creature that once you play it past the first turn, it's just a simple creature. Right. And enter the battlefield effects are really nice because it's like, oh, it's a two-two that does something. Mm -hmm. But for the rest of the game, it's just a two-two. You don't have to remember anything about it. It's yeah. just a two-two. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so you also created Maniacal Rage. What set was Maniacal? Maniacal Rage was... I can't remember back. Oh, that's a um, great question. Yeah, it was a while back. Uh, I mean, was what, it Tempest? The, the Maniacal Rage came about know. because I was fascinated by um, things that were both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. And the idea being that maybe you put it on your creature or maybe you put it on your opponent's creature. And so the, the, the way this was made was, look, it's mostly going to go on your creature. It's mostly mm -hmm. going to make your creatures better. But every once in a while, you just need to get through for that final damage. And like, haha, you can't block. Just mm -hmm. felt like super clever. Um, and th that came about from me experimenting with kind of like positives and negatives together. That's where that came about. So. Yeah, and that's actually really interesting for newer players because you look at this card and you're torn. Is this good or bad? Do I want to put this on my yeah. creature? And I think that moment when you're like, I can put this on my opponent's creature right. is, is, is a big mind shift for yes. people where they start looking for different ways right. to use these cards, which yeah. I think is really cool. Uh, the next card's just, it's just adorable. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. and, and you made it. <laughs> Scuttlemutt. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is Shadowmoor. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to remember, remember the story. So Scuttlemutt was, Shadowmoor had a um, multicolor, I'm sorry, had a color matters theme. Yeah. And so what colors things were mattered. Mm -hmm. um, and so we just liked having an artifact that helped you sort of adjust that, mm -hmm. that you helped fix things if you needed it. Um, now, when I designed the card, it didn't have the cute... Like, th that, that was all creative, coming up with, with fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, um, I have no idea what I actually called it originally. But it, it really was just trying to play into the color mattering. And I think because of protection... This, I'm trying to remember why they put it in this set. Um, my guess is maybe because protection matters. That, that yeah. makes back. sense, sure. Um, so anyway, it, it, it's a cute little card. It's one of those cards that, like, when you asked me the cards I'd made, I was looking through the like, remembering stuff. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I made that card. But uh, Yeah. Oh, so. actually, I can think of another reason. If you put it in, uh, playing this card in limited means mm. you can play cards like Fry main deck. Maybe. Oh, right. sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, and then the last cards I want to talk about are the, uh, what have been kind of called the, the gain lands, the very yes. simple tap lands that gain you a right. life when they come into play. 
So those go back, the original version of them go back to Zendikar. Mm -hmm. So Zendikar was land matters. It was a, a land set. And one of the things we were trying to do was we wanted to have a bunch of different land cycles. Mm -hmm. And we knew we wanted something at common, something at uncommon, and something at rare. And I think the commons and, and rare were the earliest. We actually struggled a bit with the uncommons. Uh, and finally what we came up with is we decided just to do enter the battlefield tap lands, but with some bonus. Yeah. Just something that made them worth doing. Mm -hmm. And we, we experimented with a couple different things, but life ended up being the one that, that uh, was the best. And we play tested them, and what we found was people just really liked it. Yeah. Like, like just free life people were very happy with. Mm -hmm. And so they ended up being very popular. And then when we did Khans of Tarkir, we decided we wanted to bring them back, but the names were... Like, they were named for Zendikar, and yeah. so they, not all the, made Sejiri sense. Jerry Refuge. Right. And, yeah. yeah. So we, we gave them generic names so that we could, because we knew at this point that they were popular. We're like, mm -hmm. oh, we're going to want to bring them back. Yeah. So let's give them more generic names for Kansas Tarkir, knowing that other sets that need them, we could use them. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, I, I believe the corset used the, the cons, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And we're, we've made them kind of evergreen. They, they get printed in Planeswalkers yeah, yes, decks yeah. and, and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so we do have some questions from chat, so we're going to move on to the Q&A portion yeah. of this. Thank um, you for your questions, once thank again. Thank you for your thank questions. You. Yep. Thank we're you. going to, uh, let's see, which of these can we answer? Um, <laughs> which can we answer? Which can There's we something answer? we can. Well, so There's for example, yeah. great question from Van, uh, what are the Commander 2019 themes? We're not going to answer that nope. here. Yeah. Uh, I will say that Commander previews are coming soon. Yeah, soon. soon August. August. We'll say yeah. August. Um, I, I've, t I've told people that at the San Diego Comic-Con panel, I will say when previews are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so this is a question from Noah. Okay. Um, this is about templating, so you may okay, or may well, not... Well, I'm, we'll, I'm we'll not known for my template, but we'll, we'll, we'll try it. Okay. okay. The, the color hosers yeah. caused a lot of discussion and confusion with regards to templating. What kind of discussion went, in, went into determining that specific wording? Uh, can we pull up one of the... Yeah, can you pull up Fry or... Fry because or... it has the best art. Let's pull up Fry. Pull up fry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a target creature planeswalker that's white or blue? I'm trying to understand what's different. Uh, bring up, uh, the Ether, Ether, Ether Gust, Gust. too. Let's see. Target maybe smaller. it's the target so that I, that's, that's blank red or, or blank? green. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, once again, one of the things that we're constantly trying to do in templating, once again, not my area, but... Yeah is we're constantly trying to work to under... Like, what makes it the easiest for the audience to understand mm -hmm. while technically being accurate and working within the rules? Yeah. And my guess is if we changed something, it was we thought there was a way to make it a little bit easier to understand? I think, it, I think the way it used to be, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering correctly, would be, for example, destroy target blue permanent. Mm -hmm. Not destroy target permanent that's yeah. X or Y. I think that... Yeah, I, I'm... I don't necessarily know why they made the change. That's fair. I, I'm sure it, it stemmed from trying to make things clear to understand. Yeah. But I, I very not my, my area. So, <laughs> um, question from Chris: Why is Corset 2020 based in part on Chandra? Um, well, one of the things that we like to do is we need to market our sets. Mm -hmm. Like we we need to have a hook for the sets. Yeah. And so we like to have for corsets. We something has to go in the box. For example, yeah. we have what we call the key art. Meaning, on the box, there's a, there's a figure on the box. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we like, what we found with corsets is, somebody's got to go in the box, so we might as well make a, a focus on that. And then we can do just a little bit in the set to make it, like, yeah. last time was Nicole Bolas. Oh, we had the Elder Dragon Legends. We yeah. had the Nicole Bolas, you know, that uh, 
that transformed. Mm -hmm. um, so this year, we're like, what can we do? And Chandra's very popular. People like Chandra. Mm -hmm. And um, we've done a lot of market research. And what we found is, for new players, Chandra's the most popular uh, character that that when you don't know anything about magic, yeah. when you just like for, for a vacuum, people really like Chandra. Cool fire um, lady, yeah. You know, like, I, there's certain characters that that when you get more into magic, that you know magic go go up. Yeah. But there's it, a very interesting thing when we do market research that when you know nothing about magic, certain things are off-putting to people. Mm -hmm. Like being non-human is off-putting to people if you're a brand new player. Okay. So like the ones that they like tend to be human humanoid. I mean things yeah, that yeah. look human. Um, and like a Johnny, for example, test poorly. Uh, with brand new people that have never played Magic before. But when you test Magic players, Johnny goes way up, like I'm saying. Mm. So it's this weird dynamic where there's certain things. Anyway, Chandra does very, very well with brand new... I mean, not that, not that the established audience doesn't like her too, yeah, but yeah, yeah. she does very, very well with brand new players. And so that, that is my guess why they chose her. Okay. Um, she also... Her hair is on fire. She looks cool. Mm. <laughs> uh, this is a question from Michael. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mark. Hey, how hard hey is Michael. <laughs> how hard is it to balance a planeswalker? So, just to be clear, Mark's not on the balance side of things. He's yeah. more on the, like, Well, you got to get your finger right in the middle. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, planeswalkers are very hard to... I mean, I, I don't do this, but yeah. I, I have, I've talked much with our play design department. Planeswalkers are very tricky. In fact, they're yeah. one of the trickiest cards to design, partly because we like to make strong planeswalkers. We don't make a lot of them, and they're very... The audience very much loves the planeswalker, so... You know, we try to make sure that all of them at least are, there's something you can do with them in, in a, a version of Constructed. Not mm -hmm. all of them are top-tier tournament Constructed, but at least they're casual Constructed, something which you might play at FNM or something like yeah. that. And we want to make sure that they are something that is evocative of who the character is. And we have a whole, you know, Ethan's in charge of making sure Ethan and Yanni oversee the Planeswalkers and are they representing who they are and there's a color mix we have to balance in standard and there's a lot of things we have to worry about and then within the design of each one we, there's a whole we want them to come on, uh, on, onto the battlefield and we want them to be able to protect themselves somewhat but mm -hmm. we want to do cool things and it wants to be a plan like the, the idea of you want to work towards something usually the ultimate yeah. which is the, the big last ability um, we want there to be a story and, and gameplay for the Planeswalkers and so there is a lot of like a lot of energy that goes into making our planeswalkers work. There's a lot of play testing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of tweaking. Um, we have what we call knobs, which are costs and stuff you can adjust. And planeswalkers have a lot of knobs between the loyalty and starting loyalty and what they cost and stuff. And so they go through a lot of changes yeah. because of, of of that. And so it just takes a lot of work to do it. I mean, it, it's really an iteration thing. You know, it's an iterative process of just play it, play it, play it, change, play, change, play. Yep. And and the Planeswalkers will go through 10, 12, 14, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes 20 iterations depending on what, what the character is. Yeah, they're very important to get yeah. correct. Uh, this says, question to Mark, but I'm going to answer it. Okay. Uh, it's from Don. I've heard that you intend to share some stuff about archery during SCCC. Will there, we, will there be a way for us not able to get to the con to get information about archery shortly after the event? So, yes, we are going to be live tweeting it uh, on Wizards underscore at Magic. Wizards underscore at Magic. Wizards underscore Magic. Uh, we're also going to be posting an article on our news site, dailymtg.com, uh, that will be, it's written by Mark, yeah. it was written a while ago, um, translated and all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> that important. Yep. Uh, that we will be posting immediately after the panel. So the panel runs from 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Right. local time. And uh, we will post the article at 7.30 p.m. And I'm going to be saying things important enough that I had to write an article about it. Yes. So, so that should be telling. That uh, should yeah. be very telling. 
Uh, let's see, we uh, talked about the legends. Um, okay. Junus, I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing that and I apologize. Uh, there's a lot of good elementals in Core 2020. Mm -hmm. While stronger in red, there's a clear emphasis on teamer colors. Mm -hmm. uh, are you going to keep it like that from now on, or did it just go that way for the set? Maybe a Jund emphasis uh, later, for example. Um, well, what happens is whenever we do tribal stuff, it's dependent upon the set that it's in. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it is red, green, and blue because it makes sense in the set. Mm -hmm. I will say that... In a vacuum, those are the colors that most lean toward elementals. Mm -hmm. If you just look at where elementals naturally show up, those are the three colors that most often have them. Yep. Um, and I feel like black and white are way, way behind those three colors. Mm -hmm. uh, but it matters. I mean, it depends where we're at. For example, I'll take something like um, zombies. You know, we're in Innistrad. Well, in Innistrad, zombies are black and blue. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to Amonkhet, zombies are black and white. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and that it just depends on what we're doing and where it makes sense. Yeah. Usually with a tribe, there's a center, like zombies are centered in black, for example. Mm -hmm. So most often when you see them somewhere, if they have a second color, one of the colors is usually black. Yeah. But depending on where they are and what we're doing, we'll move things around. And so, like, elementals were definitely a theme in Core 2020, and mm -hmm. it made sense to be in the colors they're at. But another set could do different things with them. I, I do think that because blue and red are the colors of you know, air and water and fire and earth specifically, yeah. and green has a lot of nature stuff to them, those are the three colors you're going to see the most elemental stuff in. Okay. That, that just, I mean, when Yanni picked those themes, he, he did pick the colors that naturally they, play, they played into. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, let's go this one. Uh, Chris asks, what's your favorite card currently in standard, and is it a card that you designed? My favorite card in standard? Mm -hmm. Uh... Of all my children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so going back to Ixalan. Ixalan yeah. um, I mean, it, I'm really proud of a bunch of things. I mean, it's sort of tricky. Like, yep. um, one of the ones that turned out really well is the sagas from Dominaria. Mm -hmm. um, we went through a lot of process with the sagas, and I remember when I first pitched the sagas of we're going to bring stories to life. That, that was my original pitch. Yeah. Um, that there was a, there was a, bit, a little bit of skepticism, but... Everybody was very excited, and we worked really hard. And like, I'm really, really happy where sagas ended up. Mm -hmm. And like, history banalia being probably the the most famous of the sagas. Yeah. You know, like, I that's just a, such a fun card, and it's flavorful, and I love the art treatment we did with them. Yeah. And so, I'll I'll, I'll pick history banalia just because that that's what came to yeah, mind. It's a good answer. Did you design it? I did not. I did not. I mean, I I, I helped design the sagas in general. Yeah. I did not design specifically history banalia. I, I was. I was part of the team that did probably the earliest, earliest version of it, but mm -hmm. it changed drastically through through set design. So yep. I mean, uh, so the, my hands are in it, but you know, twenty people probably worked on it. So sure. um, uh, we didn't get the name on this question, uh, but how far out are you guys actually designing sets? Okay, so the fall set is codenamed Archery. Mm -hmm. So every standard legal non-core set has a alphabetical sports name. Yes. So there's code name, code name, code name. Sorry, code name. <laughs> there's archery. Yes. There's baseball. Mm -hmm. There's cricket. Mm -hmm. There's diving. There's equestrian. There's fencing. There's golf. And right now I'm doing exploratory work on hockey. Yeah. Uh, all of those are in some stage somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm working on my slideshow for archery all the way through. I'm working on experiments for hockey. Yeah. All those are in. I mean, I'm not working on all of those right now. But I mean, yeah. somebody somebody in R and D is working on all of those, and mm -hmm. that those are all in progress. And Hockey is, let me see if I remember this, it's the spring, spring set? Uh, no, no, the winter set. Winter set of 2022. Okay. Yeah. 
So ways. So ways, always <laughs> away. <laughs> and I'm having conversations right now for, like, we already, we internally know, I think, through L. Mm-hmm. And right now we're talking about M through... Uh, M-N-O-P-Q-R M through R When you say you know When you're talking about Do you mean We plot it out themes Or just like the code names The, the, themes, the themes The themes okay. Yeah we have the themes So like, okay. like through L If you ask me I mean we haven't designed Like I'm working on, on Hockey H right now yeah. So I mean I we, But we know Up through L What they're going to be Like what, what they're about What the essence of it is mm-hmm. Creative submitted something I, I have a general sense Mechanically what we're doing mm-hmm. um, They haven't been made yet Or anything yeah, But yeah, I, yeah. we have a general sense And then We're going to Very soon Within the next Maybe three months Plot out You know M through R For example Okay so. Wow um, let's so Way see. ahead is the answer Way <laughs> Very very yeah. far ahead <laughs> um, By the way That's why I'm so excited When something comes out like, for example, I get to talk about archery. I, two years ago, ended up archery. <laughs> like, I haven't worked on archery in two years. Yeah. So, of course, I'm excited to talk about it. I've been waiting for two years for it to come out. <laughs> this is why you get the mark you get. Yeah, it's true. Because yeah. it's just all this pent up. Yes! Like, I just right. want to talk about I just this. want to talk about the thing I worked on two years ago. And then usually Mark comes yeah. to me. He's yeah. like, can I talk about this? I'm like, no. No. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Sorry. Nope. Can't do it. Um, Alex asks, was it intentional for Corset 2020 to revitalize tribes in Ixalan, dinosaurs, etc. If yes. so, were the, <laughs> if so, were there originally plans for merfolk in the set? Um, I know there were some plans to play some of the tribes. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, I was not on the team, so I, I don't yeah. know if there was a merfolk at one point or something. I mean, there, there could have been. Um, there is at least one merfolk, but it plays more with the pirate theme. It's a right. merfolk pirate. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I. I know they were very conscious of doing some Ixalan tribes, and mm-hmm. probably at some point, yeah, at some point there was something. Yeah. But one of the things that happens is we have so many different goals. Like, it, it's not as if we have one, like, if, if our only goal was doing Ixalan tribes, then yeah, we would do all of them. But yeah. we have 80 goals, and, like, we're trying to make all the goals work, and then that, you know, we can't 100% do every goal sometimes because we're doing other things. And mm-hmm. so I'm sure at some point we had merfolk, but... You know, not everything can be, as we're trying to adjust all the different things we're doing, yeah. you know, we, 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 maybe we do it at 80% or something. So. Yeah, makes sense. That is all the questions we have time for. Oh, we have time for it. I'm sure there's more questions. No, I'm sure there's always more questions. Yeah. Sure. Uh, there's, all the, there's all the questions that make sense for us to ask okay. you and that we have time for. Um, so I want to thank Mark for being mm-hmm. on the show. I want to thank Facebook Live thank for you, Facebook joining Live. us can, next can I, week. Can I make a final plea? Please. Uh, so if you happen to be in San Diego mm-hmm. um, at San Diego Comic Con, I have a panel. It's on Saturday from six thirty to seven thirty in room twenty four ABC. Same twenty four ABC. Yes. Yeah. Same. Well, there's three rooms. They open up the thing. Sure, yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's the same. It's the exact same time and day and room we were in the last three years. Um, but anyway, I I normally love doing the panel, mm-hmm. but this year I get to show off. Archery. So <laughs> and, be a lot. Uh, <laughs> I have not actually seen the presentation. We're going to do that yeah. immediately yes, after yes. this show. Well, and here's the other thing. Mark's yeah. panel is not the only thing going on at San Diego. Oh, yeah. 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 Magic. Uh, yeah. There, there are a bunch of us going. I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, along with Mark, we'll be at the there's Hasbro a, booth. There's a, right. There's, there's a, a signing on Thursday. Yep. There's another panel with Alexi on yep. Friday and Nick on Friday. Yep. Um, there's a whole bunch of that. We, we put an article up about all We that. put an article up on our news site, dailymtg.com um, today. So you can, if, you can immediately go check that out right now. But yeah, definitely head right. to Comic Con if you're in the area. And like I said, I well, I normally love doing Q and A's and doing my panel. Uh, archery is something that I've been trying to do for ten years. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not just I waited for two years. <laughs> I've been waiting for like 
Ten years I, until anyway. <laughs> I honestly haven't seen you this excited about your San Diego panel since uh, two years ago when you got to talk more about Unstable. Oh, I was very excited for so that. Too. So it's it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Uh, San Diego is always a great time. Please yeah. come by and say hi. Please mm -hmm. come to the booth. Please tell us how much yeah, you love come on, come on And again, by. if you can't make it on our main Twitter account, at Wizards underscore Magic, uh, we will be live tweeting it. Yep. And then afterwards on dailymtg.com, we will yes. have and Mark's yes. giant article yes. uh, for you to go through. It goes lot into of, even more detail than my panel. More, it does actually <laughs> go into more detail. Um, next week, we will be back on twitch.tv slash magic. Uh, I will be at least. Yes. Steve won't be here. Oh, uh, you may come. Come on. I'll be at <laughs> I'll be at you. Yeah. Um, I'll just be here by myself. No. Well, you won't be here quite by yourself. Yeah, I will because our guest is skyping in. <laughs> so You'll be in the studio. By Sean the will be here. Yeah. Sean, our producer. What is will be what here. is Sean? Chopped liver. Sean will be so here. So hold on. Do we know who's skyping in? Seb McKinnon. Yeah. Ooh. Right yeah. Right. Everyone. Uh, everyone loves Seb McKinnon. Uh, if you're not familiar with the artist's name, go check out some of his stuff because oh, he's yeah. doing some of the awesome. coolest art and magic. Uh, today, and like, so we're gonna talk about. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to go to Comic Con, but I'm really bummed out to be missing this show because <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be really cool. So yeah. Seb, Seb's Please great. Check it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah we'll and, be back and, here. And in, in my, uh, I'm showing off a new piece of art from Seb. Is one of them from Seb? I, yeah, I don't yes, doubt it. We need to go over him a lot. We need to go over the presentation, so we're <laughs> going to go do that. I am. I am. It's very exciting. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really nice piece by Seb. I believe it, and that's all Seb does these days. It's yeah. really Although nice. Although I shouldn't just say it's a piece by Seb. Yeah. <laughs> it's a piece by Seb. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so tune in next week, 2 p.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash magic. Otherwise, thanks everyone for watching. Thanks, Facebook Live. Thanks.